Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a sermon once preached by Charles Spurgeon. This message is from a collection of Spurgeon messages created by Perry Boardman. It's known as Spurgeon's Gems. Today's message is from Volume 1, number 38. We're doing the second half of that message right now about the battlements, the battlements, storming the battlements. And we'll now address the text to the Christian, the real child of God. The true believer also has a proneness to do, as the church does, to build up sundry battlements or fortifications, which are not the Lord's, and to put his hope, his confidence, and his affection in something else besides the word of the God of Israel. The first thing, dearly beloved brethren, whereof we often make a fortress wherein to hide, is the love of the creature. Uh, The Christian's happiness should be in God and God alone. He should be able to say, All my springs are in thee. From thee and thee alone I ever draw my bliss. Christ, in his person, his grace, his offices, his mercy, ought to be our only joy, and our glory should be that Christ is all. But, beloved, we are too much inclined by nature to hew out for ourselves broken cisterns that hold no water. There is a drop or two of comfort somewhere in the bottom of the leaky pitcher, and until it is dried up, we do not believe it is broken at all. We trust in that uh, sooner than in the fountain of living waters. We trust in that. Now, whenever any of us foolishly make a battlement of the creature, God will say to afflictions, Go ye up against her, take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord's. There is a, a father. He has a son. That son is as dear to him as his own flesh and blood. Let him take heed, lest that child become too much his darling, lest he sets him in the place of the Most High God and makes an idol of him. For as sure as ever he does, God, by affliction, will say to the enemy, Go ye up against him, take away his battlements, for they are not the Lord's. There is a husband. He dotes upon his wife, as he should do, The scripture tells us that a man cannot love his wife too much. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loves the church. And that is infinitely. And yet, this man has proceeded to a foolish fondness and idolatry. God says, go ye up against him. Make not a full end. Take away his battlements, for they are not the Lord's. We fix our love and affection on some dear friend of ours. And there is our hope and trust. God says, What though you take counsel together, you have not taken counsel of me, and therefore I will take away your trust. What though you have walked in piety, you have not walked with me as you should. Go ye up against her, O death. Go you against her, O affliction. Take away that battlement. It is not the Lord's. You shall live on me. You shall not feed like Ephraim on the wind. You shall lean on my arm. You shall not trust in the staff of these broken reeds. You shall set your affections on things above and not on things on earth. 
for I will blast the joy of earth. I will send a blight upon your fair harvest. I will make the clouds obscure your sun, and you shall cry unto me, O God, thou art my trust, my son, my hope, my all. Oh, what a mercy it is that he does not make a full end, beloved. It may seem to be an end sometimes, but it is not a full end. There may be an end of our hopes, an end of our faith, an end of our confidence at times, but it is not a full end. There is a little hope left. There's just a drop of oil in the cruise. There is the handful of meal in the barrel. It is not the full end yet. Though he has taken away many joys and blasted many hopes, though many of our fair flowers have been blighted, he has left something. One star will twinkle in the sky. One faint lamp glimmers from yonder distant cottage. You are not quite lost, O wanderer of the night. He has not made a full end, but he may do, unless he, unless we come to him. Once more, many of us are too prone to make battlements out of our past experience and to rely upon that instead of confiding in Jesus Christ. There's a sort of self-satisfaction which reviews the past and says, There I fought Apollyon. There I climbed the hill difficulty. There I waded through the slough of despond. The next thought is, and what a fine fellow I am. I have done all this. Uh, Why, there's nothing can hurt me. No, no. If I've done all this, I can do everything else that is to be accomplished. Am I not a great soldier? Shall any make me afraid? No. I have confidence in my own prowess for my own arm has won many a victory. Surely I shall never be moved. Such a man cannot but think lightly of the present. He does not need communion with Christ every day. No, he lives on the past. He does not care to have further manifestations of Jesus. He does not want or need fresh evidence. He looks at the old musty evidences. He makes past grace the bread of his soul. Instead of using it, as a seasoning to sweeten his meal. What does God say whenever his people do not need him but but live on what they used to have of him and are content with the love that he once gave them? Ah, he says, I will take away your battlements. He calls out to doubts and fears. Go ye up to his walls. Take away his battlements, for they are not the Lord's. And then again, we sometimes get to trusting too much to evidence and good works. Ralph Erskine did not say amiss when he remarked, I have got more hurt by my good works than my bad ones. Now that seems something like antinomianism, but it is true. We, we find it so by experience. My bad works, said Erskine, always drove me to the Savior for mercy. My good works often kept me from him. And I began to trust in myself. Is it not so with us? We often get a pleasing opinion of ourselves. We are preaching so many times a week. We we attend so many prayer meetings. We're doing good in the Sunday school. We're, We're valuable deacons, important members of the church. We're giving away so much in charity. And we say, surely I am a child of God. I must be. I am an heir of heaven. Look at me. See what robes I wear. Have I not indeed a righteousness about me that proves me to be a child of God? 
then we begin to trust in ourselves. And we say, surely I cannot be moved. My mountain stands firm and fast. Do you know what is the usual rule of heaven when we thus boast? Why, the command is given to the foe, go ye up against him. Make not a full end. Take away his battlements, for they are not the Lord's. And what is the consequence? Why, perhaps God allows us to fall into sin and down goes self-sufficiency. Many a Christian owes his falls to a presumptuous confidence in his graces. I conceive that outward sin is not more abhorred by God than this wicked one of reliance on ourselves. May none of you ever lean and learn your own weakness by reading a black book of your own backslidings. More to be desired is the other method of God when he sends the light of the Spirit into the heart and exposes our corruption. Satan comes roaring there. Conscience begins calling out, Man, you are not perfect. All the corruptions burst up like a volcano that had slept for a little moment. We are taken into the dark chambers of imagery. We look at ourselves and say, Where are my battlements gone? We go to the hilltop and we see the battlements are all gone. We go by the side of the city. They're all departed. Then we go again to Christ and we say, I, as the poet said, I the chief of sinners am. Jesus died for me. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Heaven smiles again. For now the heart is right and the soul is in the most fitting position. Take care of your graces, Christians. Now to bring the text to the young convert, to the man in that state of our religious history which we call conversion to God. All men by nature build battlements for themselves to hide behind. Our father Adam gave us as a portion of our inheritance when we were born high battlements, very high ones. And we are so fond of them that it is hard to part from them. There are different lines of them, multiplied walls of fortifications. And when Christ comes to storm the heart, to carry the city by storm, to take it for himself, there's an overturning of all these different walls which protect the city. In the forefront of the city of man's soul, and that's uh, from Bunyan, capital M, man's soul, frowns the wall of carelessness. An erection of satanic masonry, for sure. It is made of black granite and mortal art. And none of that can injure it. Bring law. Bring law like a huge pickaxe. To break it, you can't knock a single chip off of it. Fire your shells at it. Send against it all the hot cannonballs that any of the ten great mortars of the commandments can fire. You can't move it in the least. Bring the great battering ram of powerful preaching against it. Speak with a voice that, that might wake the dead and almost make Satan tremble. The man sits careless and hardened. At last, a gracious God cries out, Take away her battlements. They are not the Lord's. And at a glance, down crumbles the battlement. The careless man becomes tender-hearted. The soul that was hard as iron has become soft as wax. The man who once could laugh at gospel warnings and despise the preaching of the minister 
now sits down and trembles at every word. The Lord is in the whirlwind, now he's in the fire, yea, he's in the still small voice. Everything is now heard, for God has taken away the first battlement, the battlement of a hard heart and a careless life. Some of you have got as far as that. God has taken that away. I know many of you by the tears that glisten on your cheeks, those precious diamonds of heaven. They testify that you are not careless. Well, the first wall is surmounted, but the city is not yet taken. The Christian minister, under the hand of God, has to storm the next wall. And that's the wall of self-righteousness. Many poor sermons get their brains knocked out in the attack, and many of them are bayoneted by prejudice in trying to storm that bastion. Thousands of good sermons are spent all in vain in trying to make it totter and shake, especially among you good moral people, children of pious parents and godly relations. How strong that wall is with you. It does not seem to be made of separate stones, but it's all of one great solid rock. You guilty? You depraved? You fallen? Yes, you believe it, and you pay a compliment to Scripture in so doing, but you do not feel it. You are the humble ones that stoop down, as needs you must, because you cannot sit upright, but you are not the humble ones who stoop willingly and feel that you are less than nothing. You say so. You call yourself a beggar, but you know that you are really rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing in your own opinion. How hard it is to storm this wall. It must be carried at the point of the bayonet of faithful warning. There is no taking it except by boldly climbing up with the shout of, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We have to use very rough words to get your self-righteousness down. Aye, and when we think it is nearly overthrown, it is soon piled up again in the night. The devil's sappers and miners are soon out to repair all the breaches. We thought we had carried you by storm and proved you to be lost and ruined ones, but you take heart and you say, I'm not as bad as I seem. I think I'm yet very good. And we have by the grace of God to carry that wall before we can get at your hearts. And thus the double rampart is passed, but another still opposes our progress. Christ's warriors know it by the name of self-sufficiency. Ah, says the man, I I see I am a, a lost and ruined sinner. My hope has deceived me, but I have another wall. I can make myself better. I can build and repair. And so he begins piling up the wall and sits down behind it. He makes the covenant of grace into a covenant of works. He thinks faith is a kind of work and that we're saved by it. He imagines we are to believe and repent and that we thus can earn salvation. He denies that faith and repentance are God's gifts only, and he sits down behind his self-sufficiency thinking, I can do all of that. Oh, blessed day when God directs his shots against that. I know I hugged that old idea a long while with my can, 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 I I can do this, but, but I found my can 
would hold no water, and suffered all I put in to run out. There came an election sermon, but that did not please me. There came a law sermon showing me my powerlessness, but I did not believe it. I thought it was the whim of some old experiential Christian, some dogma of ancient times that would not suit men now. And then there came another sermon concerning death and sin. But I did not believe I was dead, for I knew I was alive enough. I could repent and set myself right by and by. Then there came a strong exhortation sermon, but I felt I could set my house in order when I liked it, that I could do it next Tuesday as well as I could do it at once. And so did I continually trust in my self-sufficiency. At last, however, when God really brought me to myself, he sent one great shot which shivered it all, and lo, I found myself utterly defenseless. I thought I was more than mighty angels and could accomplish all things, and then I found myself less than nothing. And so also every truly convinced sinner finds that repentance and faith must come from God, that reliance must be placed alone on the Most High. And instead of looking to himself, he's forced to cast himself at the feet of sovereign mercy. I trust with many of you that two of the walls have been broken down, and now may God in his grace break down the other and say to his ministers, Go ye up unto their walls, take away their battlements, for they are not the Lord's. Perhaps there are some here who have had their battlements taken away lately, and they think God is about to destroy them. You think you must perish, that you have no goodness, no hope, no help nothing but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Now, hear you the last words. Make not a full end. God would make a full end of you if he did not take away your battlements, for you would then die inside the walls of self-sufficiency. But he says, make not a full end. Rely then upon his power and grace, for he will not destroy you. And now, lastly, I must take this passage as it respects the ungodly and the sinner at last. How many there shall be at the last great day who will sit down very comfortably behind certain battlements that they have builded? There is one man, a monarch. I am irresponsible, says he, who shall ever bring anything to my charge. I am an autocrat. I give no account of my matters. Oh, he will find out at last that God is master of emperors and judge of princes when his battlements shall be taken away. Another says, Cannot I do as I like with my own? What if God did make me? I I shall not serve him. I shall follow my own will. I have in my own nature everything that is good, and I shall do as my nature dictates. I shall trust in that. And if there be a higher power, he will exonerate me because I only have followed my nature. But he will find his hopes to be visionary, his reasons to be foolish, when God shall say, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And when his thundering voice shall pronounce the sentence, Depart, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Again, there is a a company of men, joined hand in hand, 
and they think they will resist the eternal. Yes, they they have a plan for subverting the kingdom of Christ. They say, we are wise and mighty. We have fortified ourselves. We have made a covenant with death and a league with hell. Ah, they little think what will become of their battlements at the last great day when they shall see them crumble and fall. With what fear and alarm will they then cry, rocks, hide us, mountains, fall on us. What will they do when God's wrath goes forth as a fire in the day of his fierce anger, when he shall melt their hopes and make them pass away, when he shall blast all their joys and compel them to stand naked before his presence? Then I picture to myself in the day of judgment a band of men who have said on earth, we will trust in God's mercy. We do not believe in these religions at all. God is merciful and we will trust in mercy. Well, suppose what is impossible because their delusion will be dissipated at death. But suppose them in the dread day of account to be crouching in the fortress of uncovenanted mercy. The judge opens his eyes upon their city and says, Angels, go up upon their walls and make a full end. Take away their battlements. They are not the Lord's. Then the angels go and demolish every stone of the bulwarks. They utterly cut off all hope of mercy. Each time they lay on the blow, they cry, Without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Without shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. You are saved by grace through faith, but you trusted in naked mercy. You shall not have it, but you shall have naked justice and nothing else. Then there is another party who have built a castle of rites and ceremonies. On one side they have a huge piece of granite called baptism. On another they have the Lord's Supper. And in the middle they have confirmation. They think, what a glorious castle they have builded. We be lost. We paid tithe of mint and cumin and anise. We paid tithes of all we possessed. We know that grace is in ceremonies. Out comes the Almighty, and with one word blasts their castle, simply saying, Take away their battlements, for they are not the Lord's. Ungodly men and women, what will you do at last without battlements, without a rock to hide yourselves, without a wall behind which to conceal yourselves, when the storm of the terrible one shall be as a blast against the wall? How shall you stand when your hopes shall melt like airy dreams, like visions of the night that pass away when one awakes? What will you do when he despises your image and when all your hopes are utterly gone? A Christian man can go away with the reflection that his battlements can never be taken away because they are the Lord's. We rely upon the electing love of Jehovah. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We trust in the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, the everlasting Son. We depend wholly upon the merits, blood, and righteousness of Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. We are confiding in the Holy Spirit. We confess that we are nothing of ourselves, that it is not of Him that wills or of Him that runs but of God that shows mercy. We do not acknowledge one scrap of the creature in our salvation, nor one atom 
of self. We rely entirely upon covenant love, upon covenant mercy, covenant oaths, covenant faithfulness, covenant immutability. And resting on these, we know our battlements cannot be taken away. O Christian, with these walls surround you, you can laugh at all your foes when they all these walls are all around you. Can the devil touch us now? He shall only look upon us in despair. Can doubts and fears take away our battlements? No, they shall stand fast and firm. And our poor fears are but as straws dashed against the wall by the wind. For though we believe not, Yet he abideth faithful, and not all the temptations of a sinful world or our own carnal hearts can separate us from the Savior's love. We have a city, the walls of which are mighty, the foundations of which are eternal. We have a God who says, I am the Lord that keeps thee, and I water her every moment, lest any hurt her. I will keep her day and night. Trust, Christian, Here, salvation shall God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Surrounded with these, you may smile at all your foes, but take heed you add nothing to them. For if you do, the message will be, take away the battlements, they are not the Lord's. He's taking all of that from Jeremiah 5.10. Jeremiah 5.10 is the verse that he was quoting all the way through. Go ye up unto her walls and destroy, but make not a full end. Take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord's. Fascinating message. May the Lord add his blessing to this message. You can access this series of messages, by the way, online yourself by going to SpurgeonGems.com. SpurgeonGems.com Well, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the 18th of January, 2023. Lord willing, we're going to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.